Hello and welcome back. Hoops Dramas, season previews. Now we are in uh, the mid Midwest, the Midwest uh, to some, especially if you're living in Milwaukee, where we'll be talking about the reigning champs, we'll be talking about the new look Chicago Bulls, we'll be talking about the Rick Carlisle uh, Indiana Pacers, and uh, we'll be talking about some uh, less exciting teams as well. <laughs> I'm Adam, he's Kurt. Uh, Kurt, we are doing this uh, 10 minutes after we just did the Atlantic Division. And uh, are you still having a good day? <laughs> of course, yeah. Anytime I can talk basketball <laughs> with you, it's an <laughs> Having said that, uh, as you mentioned, maybe the Central Division a little bit uh, less content heavy than the Atlantic. So yeah. don't don't expect the same level of uh, you know feedback soliloquies, uh, Egyptian, <laughs> Egyptian references. Uh, <laughs> Here with the uh, the central teams. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. That'll be uh, some fun video to cut with the Egyptian references. Uh, what did I say? The Sixers or the Sphinx? <laughs> <laughs> Slowly crumbling. <laughs> yeah, 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 perfect. Anyway, um, let's uh, jump right into it here uh, with the Detroit Pistons. You want to guess the over-under? I haven't looked at it either. Uh, I'm going to guess... 28. Oh, wow. Okay. I have them 23 and 59. So I, I don't know where your source has them, but wow. I'm not very high on them. You were really close. 24 and a half. 24 and a half. Okay. Yeah. So I'll take the slightly under. Okay. So it's interesting. Um, it seems as though the the pundits or the, the gambling gods think that the uh, Pistons are going to be worse than the Cavs. I think the, the Cavs are going to be worse than the Pistons. We'll get into why. And, um, you know, LeBron James isn't on the Cavs, so they don't really matter. Uh, no one cares about the Cavs. They're a boring team. Uh, they've never been very good except for when they had LeBron James. I guess they were okay in the late 80s, but we weren't born. That time doesn't truly exist in uh, our memory. And so we know the Cavs as being a bit of a joke. And uh, that's where they're going to be this season they're going to be a joke uh but they're the kind of annoying team that can beat any team in the league but they're not good at all sexland is good they have the misfit bulls good luck with that good luck with denzel valentine and laurie marketin yeah fine that's gonna be fine good luck with all your power forwards there uh cleveland that's gonna work out great for you um oh sorry i got ahead of myself we're talking about the uh the detroit pistons first the pistons are a fun team I really like Sadiq Bey. I think he's uh, got a lot of potential. They got some good young pieces. They got a good coach in Dwayne Casey. Isaiah Stewart is a monster. Jeremy Grant is solid. Um, I have them substantially over. I think at best they scratch 32 wins. That requires, that's like in this world where Dwayne Casey, um, really gets the most out of the, their, his guys. And the Pistons lost close games last year. And I think that's worth uh, considering that like they would lose in the fourth quarter, but they were not like, it wasn't too often that they were getting absolutely schlacked or at least not the games I was paying attention to, but you look at this team on paper and it's like, they could be a fun young team. Killian Hayes, Cade Cunningham, uh, Sadiq Bay, who I mentioned, I'm very high on. Uh, Jeremy Grant and Isaiah Stewart. I got to see Isaiah Stewart when I was in Boulder uh, covering the Colorado Buffaloes basketball team, and he was the only bright spot on a very bad Washington team. And he actually had a pretty dang good year last year, especially after um, they uh, let him get a little bit more tick. And so. I think that he could be the kind of guy who winds up earning a bit of a reputation uh, and deservedly so. Just a few key games for uh, Isaiah Stewart. He had a 15.21 rebound game against the Thunder in a 110-104 win in uh, mid-April. Um, he had an 18 point. 16 rebound game against the Cavs, which they won 109, 105, uh, also in April. And so that's like when he started to get minutes and all of a sudden he was really uh, playing himself into 
more of a productive conversation against the Dallas Mavericks in the 115-105 loss. He had 20 points and 10 rebounds. He was also two of five from three. I think this guy's got potential to be everything the Pistons want him to be. Uh, It was almost like when Andre Drummond was working on that three-point shot, but he is so strong. He can go up, get the ball. He has excellent hands. He is an absolute tank. And he's got some modern big man skills. I'm going to have to pull up his per 36 minutes. Uh, But then the other guy who I'm really interested in is Sadiq Bey, who shot 38% from three last year. He had a few monster games. And so the Pistons, I think, take that next step from that, like, scrappy team that seems to always blow it at the end to the team that actually turns a few of those games into wins. I'm taking the over and I have some relative confidence with that. Like I could totally see them being a 25 win team, but I could see them being, like I said, at best right around that 30 win mark, but they're projected to be the third worst team in the NBA. And I think that they're substantially better uh, than some of the teams that are could being considered with. Yeah. Again, I have them at 23 wins and take my expert analysis here. My not so expert analysis. Um, it can't be worse than last year. I, I think is what we're getting to. Uh, Kate Cunningham obviously makes everybody better. Uh, number one overall pick out of Oklahoma state, really complete player. Uh, I'm actually really good or thrilled with how well he shot the ball from the outside Um, that was something that I think people in college were like, okay, you know, we know he can facilitate, we know he can run the floor and, uh, you know, pass, get everyone in the right spot, but how is he as a scorer, a guy who can take people off the dribble, a guy who can create his own shot. And I think so far, uh, we've seen that he can do that. So, uh, really excited to see what Cade Cunningham says or, uh, does. And then one of the other things that I want to say is just, this team is very, very young. Mm. So I, I don't know, you know, what people really expect of them. Uh, I think this is kind of like a feeling out process. Okay. Maybe we get a lineup together. Maybe we get more experience and then we find like a core group that we can really build around and move forward with. But obviously, you know, when you're the number one team uh, picking in the lottery uh, expectations are not very high. So I'm just curious to see how they all mesh this season and then maybe take that next step. And, you know, if you keep the core, like you said, Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bay. Uh, Jeremy Grant, Isaiah Stewart. Uh, I know they brought in like Kelly Olynyk, who's a, a decent player. He's a great uh, fit there. He can play either uh, power forward or uh, center. And I think that Kelly Olynyk pick is it's enough to where like that's going to help them eke out wins. Just having a little bit more depth there. Yeah. So we'll we'll, we'll just see what happens with them. I think that they're obviously like a couple of years away yeah. from uh, ascending into that play in spot or even kind of like an eighth seed again. But uh, yeah, I, I think that a lot of good young pieces, it's just a matter of how well they gel together and how much of the, the core that they have right now, they move forward with. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I said, my guy to keep your eye out on uh, Isaiah Stewart. He's 20 years old, uh, 6'8", 250. So like kind of undersized, but not really when you consider the weight. Uh, but last year, he's only 19, and he had per 36 minutes, which I think he's going to be playing around 36 minutes a year this year, and I expect him to be better. But he was 13 points a game, 11 rebounds, uh, one steal, and two blocks. He's just super athletic. He moves super well, so strong. I think this year you're looking at like a 15 and 14 with around two or three blocks a game. Uh, I think that he is going to be enough to buoy them uh, to hit the over. Uh, but that's pretty much all I got to say about the Pistons. Yeah. Th- I mean, if you want to go back a couple of years, he was the uh, number three prospect in the uh, class of 2019, just behind James Wiseman and Anthony Edwards. So the potential has always been there. And I agree with you. I think that uh, he's probably one of, if not their best players right now. So, uh, you know, six, nine, little undersized, you know, but again, I think that he's really developed into kind of a, an inside out guy, or at least is, is getting to that point. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens moving forward with him. And he's got like a Ben Wallace build, you know, and I, I think he could be better than Ben Wallace. I don't know if it'll ever be like the, well, I don't know about that. I take that back. Uh, maybe I don't, I don't know, but like 
defensively, that's kind of who he reminds me of. He's like this super strong undersized center who like, you really can't just say, Oh, I'm going to bully this guy. No, he will bully you. Uh, but this guy's modern. This guy shot 33% from deep. I think he will continue to get better. And um, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Like they're going to be a fun watch. I think between uh, Cade, people are going to want to tune in to watch Cade, but they might like come for Cade, stay for uh, Stewart. You know, and then Jeremy Grant had his best year as an NBA player last year, too. So I think they're solid. Um, I have them fourth. Uh, you have them fifth. Let's move on to the Cavs. I pretty much said everything I had to say about the Cavs. They're an annoying <laughs> team that could beat any team in the league because they have high octane scoring. They're kind of the misfit bulls, but they're bad. They're not good. Uh, I don't believe in their roster construction. I'm wondering to see if Kevin Love might eventually get moved. I'm wondering how much Kevin Love has left. Uh, Evan Mobley, obviously, we're going to keep an eye on him. Uh, but, like, I don't think that Lori Markkinen really helps. Like, one of my friends, uh, shout out to Matt, uh, messaged me the other day, and he was like, hey, I think that the Cavs could actually be okay. And I'm like, I disagree. I think they're going to be really bad. I really like Jared Allen. Uh, he's like an outstanding shop locker. I think he's one of the best at just moving his feet as far as big men go in the NBA. And his that brings a lot of versatility with him. I think that's super important. Uh, but he's not going to win you games. Darius Garland and Colin Sexton are major concerns on defense. This team lost by about 50 points last night. I know it's preseason, but like the Bulls like would have won that game by 60 if it was regular season because they they called off the dogs completely. They went and just see went and saw what they had and like they were completely outclassed. They're a team without much of an identity. Like I guess the identity is like Hey, we can, we're kind of cute. We can score with Garland and Sexton, but like they're a very, very bad team. And I think that they have a great chance of finishing with the worst record in the NBA. Um, I'm hammering the under on them. Uh, the line is 27 and a half. I don't know. How about 19? Wow. Way under. Uh, yeah, I have them at 27. So, okay. So you're right there. Under. Um, and yeah. I have the Pistons 23 and 59 Cavs 27 and 55. Um, so not a lot of separation between the Cavs and the Pistons there, but yeah, slightly under. Um, I, I think one of the things that concerns me and you brought it up too, is just that log jam at power forward. So I, I think Mobley could be like one of the best players in this draft for sure. I really like his game. Uh, obviously he needs to put on a lot of weight, um, but definitely a modern big can run the floor uh has great footwork great post moves can shoot the mid-range um i really like him as a prospect um but then yeah it's like mobley jared allen not much of an offensive threat at all he's there for defense uh you have to think that kevin love gets moved there's just no reason to have him there if someone can find you know a, a need at a you know the, the four who's willing to spend the money to uh pick up his deal and it's a but, total yeah. albatross because like no one's going to want to pick up that, that deal and he doesn't right. want to get bought out because he loves being overpaid and you can't blame him for that. But like you look at all the pluses on offenses and they're huge concerns on defense, Sexton, Garland, Markinen, Kevin Love, like anyone who can bring you anything offensively besides Mobley and Allen are a liability on defense and will be attacked night in and night out. Yeah, they finished 25th in defensive efficiency last year. So not a whole lot of teams that were much worse than the Cavs. Horrendous. Bad. That's all I have to say. Very good. Pacers. Yeah, let's move right into that. This is an interesting situation. I actually have uh, some more things to say about this team. Let's start with the over-under. You want to give us a guess? Um, I have them at 44. Okay. You know, I like that. I think I'm also going to guess 44. What do they have the line at? Let's see. And real quick, Adam, where are you getting this line? Uh, this is from Action Network. Uh, so 42 and a half. Okay. So yeah, I have them slightly over then. Yeah, I have them slightly over as well. And so uh, I wrote down just a very 
quick couple sentences on this, just so I remember uh, exactly. Because they, like they're kind of hard to analyze. It's a team with a new coach that was really good two years ago and was absolutely uh, disappointing last year. Rick Carlisle's a great fit. This team struggled with chemistry, consistency, and all-around adversity last year. On paper, they should return to form and resemble that Nate McMillan incarnation of the squad. With Karis LeVert in the mix and a healthy TJ Warren, uh, Miles Turner, they could come right back into that 45-win team that they were two years ago. We just said we both think they're a 44-win team. We're both over, but not quite as good as that McMillan team. And keep in mind that team or that year was cut short. Uh, but for them to do this or even flirt with 47 wins, I believe Sabonis has to emerge as a true superstar. And the Pacers got to start using him more like they do, uh, more like the Nuggets do Nikola Jokic. And then you have a really interesting situation in Indiana. I don't necessarily think they'll do that. That's what I would do because I think he's somebody who can produce triple doubles. He would be kind of like a a poor man's Jokic, but like really good. Sabonis is arguably the most underrated player in the NBA. Uh, last season, he was second on the team in scoring. He was at, with uh, 20 points per game right behind uh, Brogdon and Lavert. Brogdon 21. Uh, cover, cover, uh, Levert 21 first in the team in assists the guy's a brilliant playmaker he uh, is an overrated three-point shooter the reason I say that is just like honestly like playing against people in 2k and the, they'll take three-point shots with him and I'm like what are you doing that's not in his game it should be but it's not really there yet uh, or like the way people like, I think 2K had him like as a B plus three point shooter last year. Like why he's a 32% three point shooter. He's 32% on his career. He hasn't proven it to us. We think that these guys uh, who are like come in from Europe or in this case, European descent, uh, I believe he was born in Portland. They, we, we like to think of them as these like three point shooters. Well, Sabonis isn't. And so that's where he doesn't have that part of Jokic's game but he might be a better defender already. Jokic turned into a pretty good defender, but like Sabonis is a more natural defender. Uh, You can do so much with him. And I think you still want him out on the perimeter. You still want him taking threes, but you can't expect him to make very many. He took a career high 2.6 threes per game last year. Uh, I think those numbers do go up a little bit, but it's going to be interesting because you can't quite Jokic him because you can't respect that three point shot, but he needs to be a superstar. And then this team has a really good year uh, because he can set up everyone else. And this team has a sneaky, uh, nice little lineup here. Very well balanced. We'll see what we get out of uh, TJ Warren who really wasn't, I mean, geez, how many games did he even play last year? Wasn't the bubble TJ Warren. Wasn't the bubble Warren. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling up Warren, but you got Warren, Lavert, Lavert's a brilliant playmaker. Uh, Brogdon. So that'll be key. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. So last year, Warren was a huge disappointment just with those injuries. He only played four games in those four games. He had 15 points per game. Like it's not fair to assume that the Pacers are going to suck like they did last year. They hated their coach too. I can't even remember the guy's name and no one's going to remember the guy's name because it doesn't matter anymore. Cause who is he? He's just the guy who washed out with a really talented roster in the Pacers. The guy who uh, DeMontis Sabonis checked himself out of a game late because he was like, what the hell are we doing? We're blowing this. And they were really good at blowing things last year. Uh, They were a team that you wanted to bet against in a tight late game. Uh, But I think that Rick Carlisle, the reason I thought, and I predicted this, man, I got to tap myself on the back. I said, he's going to Indiana. Why? Because he was the one drawn up plays for Larry Bird. When Larry Bird was the head coach for the Indiana Pacers, he's got a long history with his team. Uh, And I think He's a perfect guy. When you have a team with 
potential to be good and uh, they're really nice on paper, but they have chemistry issues and they've dealt with adversity and they uh, don't really have much of an identity. You want a veteran coach who's been there and done that. And so it's a really good stabilizing presence. And that's why I think that the Pacers rebound. Yeah. I don't know if people forget this, but he was obviously the Pacers coach when they were really, really good in the early and mid two thousands. Love Rick Carlisle's coach. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is just, you know, you can't expect them to be as unhealthy as they were last year. So that's why I have them slightly over that win total. Um, I think the lineup of Brogdon, Levert, Warren, Sabonis, Turner is really good when healthy. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also just looking at their roster. I think that their bench is improved as well. I like Tory Craig is a nice defensive piece for them. Uh, Chris Duarte, I loved in the Pac-12 when he okay. played Oregon. So he's a rookie. Uh, they drafted him high. Uh, he's 24 years old, which I think is why he fell a little bit. Uh, a little bit older than most of the other rookies, but Duarte, just a really good scorer, offensive game, um, just a really complete player and someone who I think is going to play a little bit better than maybe other rookies, just because he has that experience. He has that complete skill set. Um, Justin Holiday, I like, is a good three-point shooter for them. Jeremy Lamb has been a, a decent scorer off the bench. I don't think he's much of a starter, which is kind of where he – he got lost in the mix, I think, a little bit in Charlotte. You know, was he a starter? Was he not a starter? Um, just him coming off the bench in Indiana, I think, is a good spot for him. I agree. He's a nice uh, player. And then I think everyone can appreciate just the grit and what TJ McConnell can bring to the table. So mm-hmm. a good secondary point guard, a guy who plays really good defense, going to get the 50-50 balls. Um, you know, I think everyone would like a TJ McConnell on their team. Uh, just, you know, at what price. And he obviously got that extension in the off season. So I, I think some, some good pieces there and just looking at where they finished last year, they were, you know, middle of the pack as a defensive team, middle of the pack as an offensive team. And I think that that is just what they are. They're just a middle of the pack team uh, finished last year, 34 and 38 in that short season. But again, a lot of that I think was because of injury injuries so, in chemistry. Uh, and yeah. Which I think were, you know, I guess we can assume right now that injuries are going to be better this year, but, you know, addressing the head coach situation is going to help them out, but, you know, addressing the chemistry, addressing the injuries, hopefully um, I think is why I have them a little bit over that. Would you say 42 and a half win total? Yeah. I'll, I'll double check that. Yeah. I think that like they could be anywhere from 41 to 45, but yeah, 42 and a half. I got them at 44 but I could totally see them just being exactly 500. I could see a world where uh, they don't have quite enough on the bench. And like, maybe it's time to finally give up on the Turner Sabonis thing. And you wind up flipping Turner and making Sabonis more of a center as opposed to a power forward. Um, It's a team with a lot of question marks, but they're not a bad team. They're the second worst good team in the NBA last year behind the Boston Celtics and the Boston Celtics were better, but like given the, the like talent to actual success ratio, like the Pacers were a massive disappointment, especially coming off off a season when they had 45 wins and looked really good. And then inexplicably were like, yeah, Nate McMillan's been awesome this whole time for us, but yeah, we're going to go with this guy, Florgenborgen, or whatever his name was. Uh, gosh, what was his name? Now it's actually like driving me nuts. I could not tell you. I did not. I know he was in the news because he was only there for one season, right? Yeah. Like, that's why I can't remember his name. I'm looking it up. But, yeah. Oh, uh, boy. Nate Bjorkren. There it is. Florgenborgen. Yeah. Nate Bjorkren. <laughs> the most forgettable man in the history of NBA coaching. Right. Uh, or I don't know, maybe behind Magic Johnson. <laughs> yeah, what, one season there for the Pacers. But, I, you know, I, I don't really think this needs to be harped on. But, you know, if you're a middle-of-the-pack offensive team, a middle-of-the-pack defensive team, some fine bench players, some guys who you don't know what to expect off the bench, you have a, a decent lineup, it's not bad, it's not great, I, you know, 500 that's what you're going to get. Yeah. Which is why I think, you know, we're giving, giving them the benefit of the doubt, maybe from an injury perspective and that coaching boost from Carlisle is why we have them slightly over. But yeah. again, you know, I think that 
kind of that 500 is just like, yeah, it, it can't really get much worse than that. And it can't really get much better than that. I think the floor is very high and the ceiling is very low. Yeah. Like they'll be somewhere between 38 and 44 wins. Yeah. I would agree with that. All right. It's the moment you've all been waiting for. We're talking about the team that's going to win the NBA championship. They're going to hang their seventh banner. It's going to be unbelievable. Uh, Ooh, the... This isn't a nineties podcast. You <laughs> caught me. Yeah. Uh, but they are going to be very good. We're talking about my favorite team. I'm an unapologetic fan. All right. L- let me, let me take you back to college. I was taking like my radio classes and stuff. And they always said like, don't be a fan, but I also believe in being yourself. And so I'm going to break that rule. I'm a fan. I think this team's fun. I hope they do win it all. And I have no shame in my game. Uh, the Chicago Bulls, man, it's interesting. So I have notes on every single team we talked about today, except the Bulls, intentionally, because I don't want notes. I, I'm going to tell you what I've seen. I'll look up some statistics. Uh, but essentially, it starts with uh, the very beginning of the Billy Donovan era we started to see a glimpse of like what they wanted to be. I'm talking about like preseason games against the Houston Rockets and they were looking to push. They were looking to uh, spread the floor a little bit more, but like they didn't really have the speed to push with Markinen and Wendell Carter slowing them down. Uh, They didn't have a true point guard and it was like Kobe white. Maybe he's more of a shooting guard and uh, Thomas Sadoransky is like nice, but he's not Lonzo ball. And so they kind of didn't ever reach their identity that you saw the scheme trying to point towards last year. And then you grab Nikola Vucevic, and then you're starting to do some of the spacing things and the passing things you're able to do with your center that they clearly wanted Carter to do. But Carter, uh, he couldn't do that. He couldn't be their bam out of bio. Uh, Now you have, a really good outlet passer, one of the best rebounders in the league, somebody who can shoot between 35% and 40% from three in Nikola Vucevic. And you have a team that is built to run and run they did. And so one of the biggest difference makers I expect uh, from the Chicago Bulls this year is I, I believe that they will go from a team that was starting to play with pace to one of the very fastest teams in the NBA. Uh, so I'm, I'm pulling up uh, some pace statistics. I think that they will be uh, number one in that category, but you've just done, they are going to win executives of the year, uh, Mark Eversley and uh, Arturis Kurnasovas. It's just I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with the team way that they've built this team. I think it's going to start with Lonzo ball. And this is the first time in Lonzo ball's career that you get to see Lonzo ball actually be Lonzo ball. You don't have uh, LeBron James there casting his shadow and preventing him from being the guy with the ball in his hands, which he needs to succeed. Uh and, and, but at the same time, I do want to add a caveat to that. He had very good catch and shoot numbers from three last year. And that's key when you're playing with Zach Levine, who's going to slash. And now Zach Levine has someone to kick it out to. And then when you kick it out to him, he's either going to be able to catch and shoot, knock down that three or restart the offense. It makes basketball sense. Uh, he's also a very solid defender, but basically the identity I'm seeing with the outlet passing of Vucevic, the football passing We've seen at times from Lonzo Ball the ability to be pretty accurate from all over the floor, and then the emergence of Zach Levine, the speed you're going to have of DeMar DeRozan, who's listed two through four at this point in his career. You're going to see him a lot at the power forward. And then uh, Patrick Williams, who was last year starting small forward, probably going to be this year starting power forward. You start to see them emerge as more of a modern NBA team which is going to be able to be more comfortable in uh, four and five out situations. I think you're going to see a lot of three out with DeRozan because he's never been a knockdown three point shooter, but this team is going to be fast. 
They're going to be much improved defensively. And especially when you consider uh, the pieces that they put in uh, to their bench, but I'll let you talk before I get into that bench and all that. For sure. I don't have a ton of takeaways. Obviously you're the, the bulls expert here, but you know, as you've mentioned in the past and from the few games that I've seen the bulls play defense was always a concern. You address that to a certain extent, getting Lonzo ball, who I think is a, a good defender. Um, there was a play, I believe it was their first preseason game where Lonzo's running in transition, dumps it to Caruso, who got some, gets a nice bounce pass in to a cutting uh, DeRozan for the reverse dunk. And that's just one of those things where you have the three new pieces playing really well together. Um, athleticism was on full display there, which is something that you mentioned. They need to get up and down the court, use their athleticism, use their speed. Um, and, and I'm just looking at like a potential starting lineup, which is you know probably what it could be. Um, you know, Lonzo, DeRozan, Levine, Pat Williams, and Vucevic. I think that's a lot of length, a lot of athleticism, a lot of, uh, you know, people who, who I think can move well. Um, and it, the ball is not going to stick. Exactly. I think, I, I think that, you know, the Miami Heat probably had the best offseason, and then I would put the Bulls number two there. Okay, yeah, the Heat did up. have an ex- very good offseason. So, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to fight you on that. Yeah, I think that the Bulls saw where they were weak. Um, I really think that their offseason kind of began last year with the, the pieces that you mentioned. They brought on uh, Vucevic, who, you know, talking about Sabonis, he, you know, Vucevic might be one of the most underrated, underrated players in the league, too. Mm-hmm. But dumping kind of some of that dead weight with uh, Wendell Carter Jr., he was also really unhealthy for, for the most part during his yeah. Bulls tenure. Yeah. So you're just getting bodies out there. You're getting better bodies. Um, I don't think that they were planning on making the playoffs or even competing last year when they brought on Vucevic, but having that run with Levine toward the end of the season and then kind of bleeding into this season, um, uh, you know, these, these aren't the most glamorous of pieces. You're not bringing on an Anthony Davis, a Kevin Durant, a LeBron, but, you know, DeRozan's still a very formidable player, a guy who was a fringe all-star um, for sure. Uh, and I think everyone likes the, the upside of Pat Williams. Levine is obviously a superstar who can score at will. Vucevic, good inside out guy, good rebounder. And then Lonzo, I think, is just uh, hasn't really quite tapped into what he could be. Um, but he's gotten better and better and better. And his jump shot looks phenomenal now. So I, I think this is kind of like the best case scenario for the Bulls, given what they had last year before they made the Vucevic trade and what they could be and what they will be this season now. And, you know, maybe a, a little segue here, but, you know, Kobe White off the bench, I think is a great role for him. And I love Better this. role than he had before. Makes yeah. more sense for him. Love the signing of Alex Caruso. Yeah. Uh, I think that it's a team with multiple playmakers, which is just so hard to guard. First guy I'm going to talk about isn't the obvious. Everyone knows Lonzo Ball is a playmaker, but uh, 11th in assists last year at 6.9 was DeMar DeRozan. So just outside the top 10 and that guy's playing, he's listed as a power forward, not a shooting guard anymore, but like last year that Spurs used him mostly as a, or I'm sorry, he's listed as small forward Spurs used him a lot as a power forward. We think of him as a shooting guard. Uh, I think he could be an excellent mentor for someone who's looking to take the next step in Zach Levine. I think that they can build chemistry fast him and Vucevic also all, Uh, They played on the same college team at USC. And so these are kind of the veteran leaders on this team. And so you have DeRozan is a nice playmaker. Lonzo Ball is a nice playmaker. Zach Levine is like a a shooting guard who can facilitate. The same can be said about Kobe White, but those guys are shooting guards. Now Kobe White can go be Jamal Crawford. Kobe, I don't know if he will reach that, but like now you can have him be, hey, be our sixth man lead our bench unit and go put up, you know, 30 on a great night for you. But when you have six playmakers in ball, Levine, DeRozan, Vucevic, White, and Caruso, all of a sudden you're like looking at a puzzle that's going to be really hard for teams to solve. And I don't think people realize how good of an assist man Nikola Vucevic is, but he is your prototypical modern center right now. Seven foot, 260. Um, He's on a a friendly contract. I mean, this doesn't really tie into the preview, but it makes sense long-term. And I think that this Bulls team is setting up for long-term success 
because Levine is going to continue to develop. Uh, Lonzo Ball, I believe, it, it's a it's a reach, but putting Lonzo Ball into the situation that they have him in now, you're going to he's going to thrive. Uh, last night he looked exceptionally good in a 131.95 whooping against the Cleveland Cavaliers, but he was you know getting blocks, he was getting steals. Uh, yeah, he had two blocks, three steals, uh, five rebounds, five assists, uh, two of five from downtown. So eight, five and five, three and two stat line from insane plus 39. And this was all done in 26 minutes. And so I expect Lonzo Ball to have maybe around like 15 points per game. I believe that's actually where he was last year. but. I could see him having 11 assists per game. I could also see him having closer to seven because I did mention there's so many playmakers, but I think he's their one, a option, right? Not even one. A. He's, he's just their number one option. Like let him set the floor. Um, only 5.7 assists last year, but that's where I talk about like him being misused throughout his career. You got to let him be the true point guard. He is like, the Pelicans were pretty dumb, frankly, last year, the way they they ran their team. And that's why uh, Van Gundy got fired. But, like, you're not going to play fast? And then you're going to, like, take the ball out of Lonzo Ball's hands? Like, the Pelicans were actually one of the slower teams, if I'm – no, they were, they were still up there in pace, uh, excuse me. But, like, not as fast as they should have been. And then they had a lot of, like, point Zion at the end, which was, like, cute and all, but – no, you have a really gifted playmaker, and I think it's a perfect fit to have him uh, on a team where he can get out and run with Levine and DeRozan and be aggressive at and athletic on defense. It's going to create a matchup nightmare for their opponents just because they're going to be quicker than most teams in the league. And, like, let's say they run into the Brooklyn Nets. Like, yeah, the Bulls might have a hard time guarding the Nets, but what are the Nets going to do against the Bulls? <laughs> they're going to have a pretty hard time guarding them as well. I think they're a team that can beat anybody in the NBA. I don't think this is the year. That was a joke. Uh, I do think that they could, best case scenario, we're talking Eastern Conference Finals. A lot of things would have, have to go right. But this team is going to catch national attention. They're going to be extremely dangerous. And while they aren't elite defensively, they're going to be really good defensively because of how quick they are. If they're caught out of position, they have the quickness to recover. Uh, and I think that's key. And it, when and if they make these stops, they're the last team in the NBA that you want running a fast break against you because you have all those good passers. You have some high IQs. You bring in some championship pedigree with Caruso and it's just, uh, you know, they're a team that can beat anybody. Uh, it's not your, I was going to say it's not your father's bulls, but no, they're not as good as your father's bulls. Your father's bulls won six championships. I like the uh, the depth at center with Tony Bradley. I think he's kind of an underrated piece. And then I really like the shooting of Matt Thomas off the bench. I think mm. that that is a, a really good addition. Um, I have him at 45 wins, Foo. Where do you have him? Let's see. I'm going to go 47. Okay. And where's the over-under on that win total? Let's take a look. All right. We got him at 41 and a half. So we're both way over. Yeah, I'm over. I have them a game better than the Pacers in the division. Yeah, I have them finishing second behind the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I, it's interesting because you look at the Bulls and I think they could give, like if they played against the Nets, they might lose in six. If they played against the Bucks, they might lose in five. Maybe it still goes six, but like the point is, if you're a team that isn't good on defense, especially transition defense, they're going to murder you and they're going to take some games. 
And I think that they're a team that's going to score 130 a few times this year. And um, I think they're the like last thing I want to say. And I'm interested to see if there's another team that you think is more so. But I think the Bulls are the most athletic team in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, top to bottom, athletically, I think you're probably right. Um, no one else comes to mind. Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Derek Jones Jr., Pat Williams, Kobe White, even Alizé Johnson. We'll see how much time he gets. And Troy Brown Jr., who looked amazing yesterday. Like, they got a bunch of athletes. It's going to cause matchup nightmares for most teams in the NBA. Uh, they're going to get like just run out of the gym. And so it's, it's very exciting because I think that the bulls might be the most entertaining basketball team in the NBA. I don't think they contend for a championship. I'd but, put them in like that sixth seed. Okay. To make the playoffs. Uh, I'm thinking six through four. Yeah. Yeah. I think Milwaukee's better. Brooklyn's better. Boston's better. Miami's better. And Atlanta. Okay. I'd say they're so, better than the Celtics and maybe better than Atlanta. But we'll, on our final preview, we'll kind of go into standings and stuff. But I love that we're already kind of like hinting at what those are going to be, you know. And um, when we do get into that, we can, you know, revise some things. Like, as we mentioned, this is recorded on the 6th, but, you know, maybe we see more preseason games. Maybe I think the Bulls win 72 games. Maybe I think they win 74. Maybe I think they won 80. They look like an 80 win team last night. So I'll take the under. <laughs> You'll take the under on 80. All right. Let's let's move to the champs, man. Um quick and simple for me, man. This was a great team that got better. I think that they are my favorite. Actually, I think they repeat. Um love the Grace Allen pickup. DiVincenzo is gonna be healthy. What do you think the line is on him? Uh, I have them at 55 wins. Wow. Perfect. 50, 54 and a half. Oh, okay. I'm surprised it's that low, to be honest. I mean, the reason I had them a little bit lower, you know, I mean, this was a team that was consistently winning like 60 plus games um, is just because I think that they rest some guys. And the uh, East got better. Yeah. George Hill. Um, he's a, a veteran, good backup point guard. Um, that addition is good. Uh, losing PJ Tucker, I don't necessarily think is like that big of a loss. I think it would be detrimental to some teams, but Milwaukee's just so good defensively um, that I think that that is a piece that they could have afforded to loss to, to lose. Yeah. Um, top team in pace, get out, like to get out and run. Um, and then third in rebounding. And I think a lot of teams, if you can control the pace of the game uh, and play your basketball instead of speeding up or slowing down or being uncomfortable. I feel like a lot of teams really succeed when they're able to dictate pace. And yeah. that obviously happens with, you know, are you a good team in transition? Are you a good shooting team? And then can you control the glass? And so that's kind of the recipe for success for most teams. And the fact that Milwaukee is so good has won a title and then falls into those categories. I think it just explains how they found their success. Um, and then obviously you still have Giannis, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, uh, I believe brought back Bobby Portis. Yeah, on a they cheap, did. Cheap deal. So he's kind of a guy who uh, energizes the crowd, can be some some scoring punch off the bench. Uh, <laughs> ah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, as you mentioned, there, there wasn't a whole lot you know, when you win the title, it's like, hey, can we run it back? Or are there some some little tweaks that we can make? And um, I'm surprised that they got rid of Sam Merrill and were able to get Grayson Allen. Not to say that Sam Merrill is a great player. I saw him here in Nevada when he played at Utah State for a few years. But Sam Merrill is a guy who was the last pick in the draft. And if you're able to get a guy like Grayson Allen who has higher upside and is an overall better player right now, that's obviously going to bolster Robbery. So, yeah, it, it's a good pickup. And uh, what's the cliche? The rich got richer. Yeah, yeah. And I think Grayson Allen's just such a perfect fit. Like, that's a guy who, is, first of all, he's just gritty. Like, he's going to lead the team in floor burns. He is 
just scrappy as they get on defense. And he's like really turned into a better defender. He talked about how he wasn't a good defender in college and uh, he's really stepped that up. So his defensive win shares went up from uh, 0.4 to 1.2 last year. He's starting to find his own in the NBA. Really uh, the, the bucks won this trade by a mile. It's a perfect situation for him. Uh, he played a career high 25 minutes per game last season. Keep he's for the Grizzlies. He started 38 games and he's probably gonna have to hold down that two spot until Dante returns. Maybe he even steals that all together. Um, but this is a great situation to have the big ragu and Dante DiVincenzo and Grayson Allen. It's like two guys that weren't here last year. And that's like, even though ragu was, he got his ring. Like he's going to be able to play and be a key piece. And now you have some serious depth in a situation where like a lot of people are like, why do you have the Bucks beating the Nets? Well, sure, the Nets are going to have Harden and everything back, and like or Harden's going to be healthy, and like they're going to have uh, their point guard as well. Or I don't know, I mean, they'll have Simmons or Kyrie or something. Like they're going to be a damn good team. But like the Bucks got better too, and they won that series. And it's just like some of their concerns were like, oh, but. They need a little bit more consistent three-point shooting. At least that's what the eye test was telling me. I'm not knocking them as a three-point shooting team. They're a very good three-point shooting team. But, like, having two more guys, like Grayson Allen shot 40% from three last year. I'm not sure what DiVincenzo's numbers were. But, like you said, the rich got richer. And I think that sometimes a team, especially when they're led by such a special player, like – Giannis knows there's a target on his back. I think he's the best player in the world. That seems to help. Uh, and it's going to be him and KD. That seems to be who the pundits think is the, the two best in the world. Um, they need to get better than last year's team, though, to repeat. Like, if you trotted out last year's Bucks, it wouldn't be good enough. The Nets are better. The Knicks are better. The Bulls are better. The Heat are better. A lot of teams are going to be looking to challenge them. Uh, and it was close last year. They barely beat the Nets. But for them to be good as I think they will, and I think they're going to be a 58-win team, they need to be even more cohesive and take another step forward. You're the best in the world right now. Prove that you deserve that title. Yeah, DiVincenzo, 38% from three. So good outside shooter. Um, I also think this could mean more minutes for Brooke Lopez. Um, who oddly enough is like a, a, a decent defender now. I mean, yeah, like one of the best in the league. league. Yeah. yeah with, with the Nets and the Lakers. So he's found, found his niche as kind of that rim protector uh, down low and obviously can step out and shoot the three at 34%. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you, you got to like what the Bucks did. I, they didn't get worse. I think they got a little bit better. Um, in my opinion, they weren't the best team last year. If you have a healthy Nets team, it was basically KD versus everyone. Um, but yeah, I, I'd put the Bucks as a number two team in the East for sure. And if you like, imagine a Bucks Bulls matchup because just because I mentioned the Bulls are going to be a matchup nightmare for most teams, right? Like the Bucks can play Bulls ball; they can play any style they need to because they have that kind of lineup versatility. And so, if the, if the Bucks are playing the Bulls, for example, um they can, they can run with that and they can give bulls the bulls problems, like put Giannis at center, put Middleton at power forward, put Connaughton at small forward. And then you have DiVincenzo or Grayson Allen and then drew holiday. And if drew holiday needs to take a break, you have DiVincenzo, George Hill and Grayson Allen are all pretty solid point guards. I, I think you have a lot of uh, parallel depth. What I mean by that is when Brooke Lopez isn't on the floor, Bobby Portis is, and that's a guy who can protect the rim and knock down the three. Uh, Giannis, you can move over to the center position. Uh, Middleton, you can play two through four. The versatility in athleticism they have uh, and the fact that, like, these guys did get a ring. Like, this isn't the Bucks that are like, hey, can we get over the hump? It's the Bucks that got over the hump. Now, uh, you don't want to get fat. You don't want to like rest on your laurels, but I think that they should be playing with more confidence that it, what if factor is gone now. Uh, they got a lot of 
uh, really athletic teams. They're going to be right up there in pace. And you could honestly say that, well, frankly, I'd be shocked if they weren't top five in offense and defense. I'd be absolutely shocked. You can make a case for them being the defense, best defensive team in the league, especially when you consider they're a defensive super team with Drew Holiday, Giannis. You bring in uh, Dante, or I'm sorry, uh, bring bring back DiVincenzo who's a good defender. You have, uh, uh, I was just talking about raving about him. Uh, Lopez. Lopez and the, the Duke guy, Grayson Allen. You know, like this is a defensive super team. This is going to be, it's going to be harder for teams to score against the Bucks. Like the Bucks and the Jazz are the two teams where I'm like, good luck getting a bucket. So, yeah, man, I think they will run it back. We'll see if that uh, changes. That's like my for now prediction. I like to save my official official for when it's like the last show before the, the season. But yeah, they're going to be damn good, dude. They're going to be damn good. Perfect. I think that puts a bow on it. I think it does, my friend. Uh, you know, shout out to the Wax Cowboy, Evan. He made our logo. Um, you can check him out on Instagram. Slide into the DMs at the Wax Cowboy if you want to get some work done. Uh, does some really nice stuff. And uh, absolutely crushing it out there, making uh, a lot of beer labels in the uh, Longmont area in Colorado, in that Boulder Longmont area. And um, yeah, if you're enjoying the show, if you've been with us since day one, we really appreciate you. And uh, give us a, a friendly rating. Um, it's gonna be me and Kurt running a lot of that two big two man game. It, it makes sense. I've, I'm five nine. He's like six five. And so I'm gonna just throw him some lobs, and he's gonna you know softly lay them in. Yeah, hopefully lay them in because he can't dunk. Nope. <laughs> but you did once. Uh, twice. Twice. He, he dunked twice, folks. He's an, he's a basketball expert. <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, in better shape in high school. My uh, five discs that are compromised now and my busted knees are not giving me uh, that lift. That, yeah. Not that I had lift before. But, uh, yeah, it's, we, we've seen better days. Yeah, long de- long time since my uh, flag football glory days as well. So you and me both, man, as we approach the the Steph Curry years but anyway uh, thank you for listening to the show everyone and uh, we'll talk to you next time